0: welcome inside the locked on senators podcast i'm ross levitan with the whole crew it seems to be easier to get everyone together now that you're really not allowed anywhere else brandon pillar chris parliament join me today and we've got some reacting to do to real news the Sens have signed two more prospects after mark kaslich signed before our last show we'll get to the athletics fan survey our thoughts on that And Pierre Dorian spoke with the media today. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, April 14th in Pilsy. Pierre Dorian spoke with the media today via Zoom. We did see eye on the prize. You got to respect it. The Stanley Cup was in the room. Of course, a replica over the right shoulder of Pierre Dorian, but he did have some interesting things to say.
1: Yeah, I love how you uh, prefaced it with, of course, a replica, (laughs) because it'd be concerning if Pierre Dorian had the actual Stanley Cup in his office right now. There'd be a lot of questions to be asked, but... Yeah, you know, he's just gearing up for the years of unparalleled success when he's going to have, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five of those things. So (laughs) Dorian's just, he's he's
0: got his eyes on the prize, like you said. Speaking of the unparalleled success, which begins in 2021, we're going to get to a fun Twitter poll I threw out, uh, which would be what pushes the Sens into that category. But Parley, what do you think Dorian's best office... Memorabilia is because we always see in photos um, when they're they're signing in his office. He doesn't he have a baseball bat hanging up on the wall.
2: There's tons of stuff going on. I feel like Dorian is a big memorabilia guy. I always respect, like, a good office. You walk in there, and you're sitting there, and then you've got, like, something behind you, which is just, like, kind of intimidating. Like, yes, come sit at this leather chair I have prepared for you and look across all my memorabilia. And the coolest thing in the world is when, you like, you can tell that they set it up so that they have that look because, like... I mean, I've got a desk in my room here and like all the stuff's facing me because there's a wall right behind it. But he's like, no, no, I want you to see my stuff. Like he's looking at the back of the bat, not the signed part on the front sort of thing. It's I just think it's a major flex. So the more, the better. Just like have that power. You know, it's his office. It's his team. Good for him. We don't know if he was sitting at his office
0: or if he's working from home, but they have been working. They have made two signings. Kevin Mandelazi is a goalie-friendly show. We've been following him and since prospects. Henry just threw up a video recently of his body's work this season leading the Quebec Major Junior League in save percentage, albeit in his draft plus two season. And another signing as well. Pillsy. I'll let you take over on that one.
1: Yeah, well, first off with uh, Kevin Mandalese that's uh, that's a nice signing to get, because like you said, he's uh, in his third year in, in the queue, and he led the league in save percentage, and that was after a nice little boost uh, from his last two seasons, because his save percentage was under 900. And uh, his goals against average was definitely above three, not where you want it. But I was looking at that highlight video you were talking about that Sens Prospect uh, put up. Shout out Sens Prospect. Always getting us uh, what we need there. And what I noticed the most about uh, Mandelazi is he's really good at getting back in position to make the second save. And, I mean, when you're a goalie of his size, that makes it easy because you can make yourself big. But, When he was forced into a situation where he made a rebound and wasn't able to uh, deflect it out of harm's way, he was always doing something to get back, whether it was a butterfly push or just sprawling out using his big frame. Or if a defenseman uh, hung him out to dry on a 2-on-0, it didn't seem like he was panicked at all. So I really liked the fact that he was confident, and he's one of those goalies that knows how big uh, he is, and that if he can keep his position kind of sound and centred, as long as he has his eye on the puck, he can make that second save.
0: He's get, kind of going to be in a situation you'd think that Joey Decord was in this year, yep. being the fifth goalie on the depth chart. By the way, great news out of the Pierre Dorian press conference. He said if the season could resume even today, then Anders Nielsen would be able to play. He's been suffering from a concussion for a long time. So that is great to hear that Nilly Nilly's ready to get back between the pipes whenever it is. So stick taps to him and, and everyone who's been a part of his recovery. But back to Mandelazi and kind of the goalie depth chart next year. Parley, you'd have to expect that it's Nielsen and Hogberg's net in Ottawa, both on one-way contracts. And then in Belleville, you got to think, and I don't know if we even discussed, but Trent man. um, Oh, Troy man I always get those two mixed up yeah, especially one, especially yeah. especially coming up to draft time when Trent man's in the news a bit more but Troy man wasn't very complimentary when talking about Philip Gustafson really the best thing he had to say about him was that he was still young so I think going into camp right now Dax got to be looking at the starter in Belleville and then you kind of shuffle Gustafson or Mandalay's really but of course Gustafson's got the inside track on that Belleville job you think that sounds about right
2: Parley? Yeah, I think you can look at this one as uh, as Joey Decord's spot to lose, right? He's going to come in as kind of the number one in everyone's mind in the in Belleville there in the crease, and then yeah, Philip in that's kind of the natural number two there. But you know, you're looking at it, and the things that Pilsey just said, you kind of hit it on the button. And what I, I just to add on to that is he's a guy who's six foot four, and fun stat for you guys: the average goaltender height in the NHL right now is six foot three. So he's kind of playing that role where he can step into an organization where, you know, you're talking to the goalie coaches every day who are coaching guys like Marcus Hogberg and Anders Nielsen at the pro level who are exactly that height as well. So, you know, uh, it's good to see that you mentioned it, kind of that uh, technical side of things that Joey Decord was was definitely a a big uh, part of, you know, just technically sound and always getting back into position, not really sprawling around. I think we can see the same thing in Kevin Mandelazi. And the nice thing about that, too, is, you know, he's played the position for a little longer. You mentioned he's in his two plus year and junior as an overager. So technically sound and tall is definitely a uh, kind of a cookie cutter in the NHL right now. Wouldn't you say, Ross?
0: Yeah, definitely. And you haven't even mentioned Mammoth Mads, Sogard out in. uh, out in the WHL and the good news with him is he can go back for his tw- double overage year in the W in the WHL as well. So he doesn't have to really jam the pipeline and it's too bad. This is all kind of a- without saying that Craig Anderson won't be back, um, which is too bad. Cause I don't know if you boys saw, but he posted on uh, his social media, his new setup that he had, he finally got some color into it. You know, he's been rocking the simple pads this year And uh, they look sharp. And even putting the caption, hope I get to wear these. So, um, yeah, we're, we're obviously all hoping that hockey comes back. And for that to happen, everyone has to put their heads together. And Pierre Dorian also today said that the Sens have tabled three different solutions to the problem. They said they want to have their voice heard. And I'm here for every and all solution. Throw them all on the table because I want sports back more than I want air to breathe. And if... Let's have some fun with this. We don't know anything about these proposals, but if there had to be the most pro-Ottawa slant possible, how would the proposal look, Pilzer. Pillsy, Z. <laughs> well,
1: assuming you're talking to me, uh, what I literally I
0: was, doubled up the names there. That was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, the double Ps make it hard. Don't worry, we're all uh, we're all working through this, but. If I was Pierre Dorian and uh, I was suggesting things to the NHL, I mean, th- what makes most sense, guys? The team that has the most first-round draft picks gets the first overall pick. I mean, it's easy.
0: Yeah, and if that's too small of a sample size, Parley, maybe just whoever has the most draft picks in the first
2: two rounds? Yeah, majority <laughs> rules.
1: Hell, stretch <laughs> it to three rounds.
2: Final offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and- going to go ahead and say... um If you gave up a key piece of your organization and have a top five pick, you get to move up to number one. Therefore, the Senators will move up to number one and two. One and two. That's what Pierre
0: Dorian tries every single morning. That was an awesome moment of (laughs) levity. He is team tank watch as well. I wonder if he's tuning in for the unofficial spins that have been going on. We will bring back the tank watch. Once we know anything about a draft lottery, if they just what's the point in spinning it if they change the odds one way or another? Just doesn't make sense to keep doing it now. But the second that we can watch a tank, you know we're staring at it.
2: I got one. I got one more rule here. Uh, I think this one has a little bit more of an owner's spin for Eugene Melnick. And I think he's leaning towards if you get a top three pick, you only have to pay them a third of their salary ongoing just because that would work out in his mind somehow. You know what I mean?
0: Wow.
1: Trying to save money on the entry-level deals too, eh? <laughs> yep.
2: Well, entry-level
0: deals we may not have even remembered to mention. It was Jonathan Aspero who earned his spot. He looked awesome as an invitee to development camp at Belleville, earned an AHL contract, and now earned a contract for next season, a Um, two-way deal, so he could get called up just like Hubert Labrie signed for the end of the season, but it's an entry-level, so it'll be a two-year deal. So that's awesome for him, Jonathan Asparov. but speaking of entry-level deals, the Sens are going to be dishing out a lot of those in the years to come with the draft picks that we mentioned. And Pierre Dorian said today, unsurprisingly, especially at this time with with the uncertainty going to the draft, but they're not going to rely on position. It's going to be best player available. Does that mean to you, I'll start with you, Brandon, that it's more likely that we see Jamie Drysdale in a senator's uniform?
1: Well, I mean, it's tough to say because uh, obviously we don't know where the Sens are picking, but... uh I mean, I would say the only thing we can know for certain is that if the Sens get first overall, they're taking Lafreniere, if that is uh, the, the way they're doing it. So once, once you get into picks two, three, four, five and down the list, it's, it's kind of jumbled and it depends uh, which, which player the Sens scouting staff has uh, deemed as their top guy. I mean, the Sens scouting staff has surprised us before going way off the list. Uh, in terms of kind of mock drafts and uh, central scouting lists. I mean, remember Lassie Thompson? He wasn't even uh, projected, I think, in the first round of last draft, and they scooped him up.
2: And I think a big thing, too, I mean, this could just be Pierre Dorian throwing people off the scent, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, You got a pretty pretty big centerman coming through in Quinton Byfield, and if you have the number two pick, I think that one's a really tough one to look away from. Um, And also it's kind of a cheat of an answer, I think, because I think Quinton Byfield has a lot of skill on the next players in line. You you mentioned Tim Stutzel who's available as well, and who would be available at number two saying that the senators get the second overall pick of course we don't know yet but i think quentin byfield's kind of one of those can't miss prospects in the number two position a lot of buzz about tim stutzel has come up this far but i think that's just kind of uh maximized by his his uh huge climb this year you know quentin byfield's kind of been that mainstay i've said it once you've heard it everywhere this is definitely his first spot you've heard it but it uh was a little bit of an unfair showing for a guy that was a So hyped and so skilled at the World Juniors, you know, he didn't really get the shot that he could because there were so many big names on that team, right? So it was tough for him to find a position. And then once you don't get into a tournament like that and other guys get rolling, it's tough to jump in and get more minutes. But I think Quentin Byfield, that the stature he has up the middle of the ice for a Senators team who is lacking um, NHL ready talent at this point, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see where they go with this one. But if you're talking talent level at the top of the board, I don't think anybody really overshadows <laughs> no pun intended. Cause he's gigantic Quentin Byfield, but uh, I mean, he's at the center position and that's a, that's a need for the senators to say the least.
0: Yeah. Well, there's lots of centers. If you're looking at that, that range at the top of the draft, Marco Rossi, Cole Perfetti, Tim Stutzel, who some people think might be a winger, but could also play in the middle of the ice. Anton Lundell, another one as well. So lots of centers to choose from. And, I just think you have to go with with whatever your scouts tell you. These Ottawa Senators scouts since 2015 and even finding gems before that, but you got to think it's the same group of scouts since 2015 um, have done such a tremendous job, not only with the first round picks, but also finding talent later on. Batherson in the fourth round jumps out the same draft as you get Alex Formanton in the second round. And. It's just it's been incredible what they've been able to do later on in in draft so I think that whatever Trent man uh, wants to do with this pick, you let him have full autonomy over it. My
2: confidence level is definitely high with him
0: well let's let's talk about our confidence level with multiple facets of the organization and that's piggybacking off a poll that they put up at the athletic with a fan survey so shout out hailey Salvian in there she's been doing great work so you mentioned our confidence level in trent man and now let's go to the former scout pierre dorian where does it stand let's kind of go
2: through this kind of rapid fire ish all right, I'll go first. Uh, I really liked this article. I thought it was fun, good content. And I like that she's trying to kind of mold what she's going to do. She, she does good work, I think for sure. And, uh, mold what she's going to do in the future to, uh, to kind of critique, kind of what the Senators fans want. And that was kind of nice to, uh, be talked to in that sense over the survey. So, uh, my confidence level in pure Dorian, when I took the survey, I put seven because, um. Lately, he's been doing a lot for us and you got to think that, uh, you know, he hasn't been able to go out and get those big names in free agency. I think he was a lot closer with Mark Stone, yet. But yeah, yet, uh, Eric Carlson, not the, not the guy getting guys back is, uh, not signing them. Definitely put a damper on it. But then I mentioned on the last show, he kind of put his heels in the dirt and said, all right. This is a rebuild. So that's what he did with a uh, John Gabriel Pajot deal. And, uh, you got to think he got the biggest bounty he could for him. So my confidence level in him and his, uh, need to move this rebuild forward and gain as much assets as you can. I think, uh, in that sense. And again, you got to think he has a good voice in the scouting room as well, along with Trent man. So, uh, yeah, moving forward. I think my confidence level is safe to say at a 70%, seven out of 10 range.
1: Yeah, that was the same with me, partly 7, and I think uh, the recent history is the reason for that. I think if you would have asked at the end of year one, maybe it would be a little bit lower just because of uh, the debacle of the whole Duchesne trade, which, I mean, I don't really fault him for either. It was just a tough way that everything played out, but yeah, I had him out of 7.
0: I'm going to go 6.5, just to be a little bit different, and no, because, course. well, this is a guy who has finished 31st and 30th in the nhl in the last two years so rebuild or not With
1: rebuilding like, in mind
0: yeah yeah but it's man, not. If the anything, first, not anything that helps the first, <laughs> not the first year not when they lost like 20 out of 23 games Yeah. and he thought that his all-in move was was kyle turris going out when people wanted to add duchene they didn't want to add duchene and take away a piece from the top six right they needed that extra piece to go over not an upgrade on the same type piece anyways that kind of put a big damper the the inability to read how close they were and i mean it cost them a fourth overall pick at the end of the day they should be counting their lucky stars that san jose did what ha- what they did although the one piece of credit is they did opt i don't know how the negotiation went but to leave the first round pick for a year, right? The trade was made in 2018. They didn't get a 2019 pick. They opted to wait that extra year. Let San Jose's core age, let their captain leave and Joe Pavelski and all that. So I'll go six and a half. And I will start by saying I have a nine in DJ Smith. I love who I've heard from him. I love the way he's used his young players. And I like the way that he's a young former player and kind of is in tune with today's NHL. And, I I love the, the swagger he has in, in just his everyday, um,
2: kind of what he gives off to the media. And uh, I went with an eight Ross. Uh, the reason I went with eight was because, you know, uh, yes, he has a lot of confidence and stuff like that. But what I like most about him, I, I can't say I've had enough to put him in the 90 or 100 percentile, but, uh, for eight, I absolutely love that. You know what you're getting out of him. You know that your team's going to block a lot of shots, they're going to play with pace, and they're going to throw the body around. Uh, There's a lot of times where he can go out there and uh, where you can kind of visualize what a shift is going to look like from the big guys. You know, Brady Kachuk's going to go hard to the net. Anthony is going to use the speed to go behind the net and create opportunities out front where the centerman can kind of come into the play. He plays defensively, but he lets his offensive threats thrive in what they do best offensively. And I think that that's the key when you have a young team to just go out there, let them get confidence by using their skill set at the highest available way they can and not trying to force a system on them that they could fail in because it doesn't match their uh, style of play.
1: Yeah, Parley, I'm right there with you again uh, with the eight. And the only reason I'm not at a nine, Ross, it would be the short sample size. I mean, he's looked great. And uh, I think the key thing that uh, gets all of our ratings so high is that he was able to get the most out of a rebuilding young roster that, and let's be honest, he had a lot of wild cards thrown at him. The sends, transactions and roster moves up and down and injuries were absolutely ridiculous for another year. So he really had to roll with the punches and he did well. For him to get up to a 9 or even, I mean, I don't think anyone is really a 10 in confidence level. But for him to get up there, we need to see how well his development style works in a long-term situation. So that's the only thing holding me back from that uh, that big upgrade.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. I know there's some people who may think he's a, a bit more on the old-school angle. But I think that you still need that. I'm, I'm definitely on the side that analytics play a role but I think so is DJ Smith I don't think he's a dinosaur by any sense but I do think he has that uh, the way his career was right he grinded it out and made it to what 40 NHL games but man he had to grind through some some tough seasons and and the determination and I think he brings those attributes that he had as a player as, as a coach and I think he has the perfect leader in Brady Kachuk and Mark Borowiecki two meat and potatoes hockey players that can personify what he's trying to build in the room. And I think those two players I mentioned and Thomas Shabbat should all be considered for this next question. And I'm going to ask you, who should be the next
2: Senators captain?
1: Parley, you first.
2: All right. Um, I think the Senator's colors are red, white, and black, but, uh, Brady Kachuk's color should be blue. He just does all the things, right. He's a hard worker and he's the future of your franchise, right? I just think he's, uh, he's the guy you want on your team. And I think he's the guy that's willing to lead your team in any way you need it, whether he's throwing the ball around, blocking shots, uh, getting a mental edge on a team. He's willing to do it all. And I'm willing to give him a C for it. How about you Pills?
0: Well, before well, Pelsy answers, I gotta make sure that we're not kind of throwing dirt or not putting the forefront. This guy can play offensively too, with the puck and around the puck.
2: Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he can score for you. That's what I. That's what I said. Yeah, I'm definitely not discounting his ability to put the puck in the net from Good. in front of the net.
1: <laughs> Ross, keeping you in check, eh, Parley. Um, I, it. I wanted you to go first because I have. A, I'm pretty sure both of you want Brady to be the captain, but. I, I don't like that idea. I think uh, well, I mean, not saying that he couldn't be a captain. I think that uh, there's Shabbat a headline be, grab. Yeah, I think Shabbat should be the next captain for a couple reasons. I mean, first, I don't know about you guys, but I just like the idea of a defenseman as a captain. First, first off, because especially Shabbat, I mean, he's on the ice like almost the whole game. He gets a good feel for the game. Uh, he's always going to be on the ice to deal with anything. Uh, next, he signed a long-term deal. He's going to be here for the next eight years, so you know he's committed. He's, it's pen and paper. It's already signed. It's good to go. So That's a big reason why Shabbat um, should be the captain. And then, for counter-arguments uh, to why I don't want Brady to be a captain, because that's going to take away from his game, I think. I think you want Brady to be out there, reckless, uh, chirping. Not that he wouldn't do that if he was captain, but You want him to just focus on the little things that he does so well, the intangibles, that I don't want him having to focus on uh, the media or talking to the refs or uh, any of those extra things that come along with being a captain. Because I think that's going to take away from what, what he does and what the Sens need him to do. Similar to Ross, you and I have talked about this, but... Uh, you think Brady could be a great centerman, but I think that's going to take away from his net front presence, his uh, his ability to, uh, you know, stay in those positions without having to be the first guy back on the back check like a centerman does. So I just really think that uh, Shabbat has more of the, the qualities of a leader that uh, will be here for a long time. And Brady has other qualities that uh, work better in other areas.
2: Pills, I got to play uh, devil's advocate here to uh, a couple of things he said there. Uh, I, you you mentioned Thomas Shabbat's always in the game. I think Brady Kachuk is an absolute gamer. You know, he's never stopping on the bench. He's keeping guys light. Uh, Colin White could be having a bad night, and he's making him laugh on the bench. He's staying engaged. He's there for teammates on the bench. So I think that uh, mentally he's always in the game as well. Um, for longevity's sake, I think that uh, – Brady Kachuk is a senator that uh, is going to get signed in this new wave sort of thing, and addressing his, uh, taking away his maybe uh recklessness and talking to the referee and stuff like that. I think that as he matures as an NHL or his ability to do those sort of things is just going to coincide with his game. But right now I think his game perfectly matches the youth that the senators have. I think he's kind of the poster boy for the young, exciting player in the league and uh, having guys kind of fall in line behind him and letting them learn the, learn the league behind a guy who only knows the league. He never had to play in the American league he came straight out of college and jumped right in right away, and he was a 20-goal guy. So I think we've learned from his family, his dad, a former captain in the NHL, his brother, an A in Calgary. I think he's a born leader, and I think he's willing to do what it takes and uh, mature with this Senators franchise.
0: Yeah, I think you can even boil it down to just the um, – there, there's two kind of analogies, maybe not even an analogy, but he brings the rest of the team into the fight. And I think that's what you're getting at with you saying that like the Colin White's having a bad night, but he drags you into the battle. And even if you're not engaged physically, well, the amount of scrums that Brady Kachuk's going to go into. And I, I wrote this down. I don't know why, but I thought it was so funny. I wrote it down while Gary Galley was calling um, a Sens game. I love this line. He says, when you're playing against Brady Kachuk, you're playing in his pig pen. He makes the rules. He's sliding around. He's making you get dirty. and, that's a that's the guy I want leading my team so for me it's Brady as well Pills if you want one more rebuttal and then we'll have to move on here
1: no I mean uh, that's the thing I agree with all those points I just I'm just worried it uh it'll It'll distract or take away from all those things that make him great that's all
0: yeah it makes sense as well and we should shout out we should shout out Boro because that guy's a born leader but maybe a guy who's just meant to wear the a and there's nothing wrong with that I agree with that kind of like a chris phillips mold where he was the a for for so many years and 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 yeah i mean people are still excited to see Boro because you know that he's going to throw his body around but i'm going to ask you boys next who are you most excited to see in an ottawa senator's jersey could be a guy on the team right now could be a guy
2: in Bell Vegas who you just can't wait to see get to the next level who is it parley there was a couple good questions in there. And it, there was a couple that kind of addressed this one in general. And one was, who are you most excited in the future to see come up? Uh, like a Shane Pinto's one, a Lassie Thompson, maybe a Jacob Bernard Docker. But my answer for this one is Josh Norris, because he hopped into the AHL this year after a season that was shortened because of an injury at the university of Michigan, where he was absolutely lighting it up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but leading the nation in points or goals. Somewhere close to it, that's for sure. He was up there. Then, yeah, he hops into the Belleville lineup his first year of pro hockey and puts up numbers that match the numbers of a career trajectory of Miko Rantanen. And I mean, if you're gonna throw a guy into the to the uh, to the NHL where you've got a guy like Brady Kachuk, beside him who kind of plays the same role as Gabriel Anisgog, a bit of a grit guy who has a heck of a lot of talent. So Ross doesn't yell at me for his offensive ability again, but I mean, Josh Norris and to think they already have that much chemistry. I mean, he hopped into the lineup and Bobby Ryan had three goals in an emotional night in Ottawa. This guy just seems like he's ready to bring it every night. A little bit of a spark plug. I'm just so excited to see what he adds to the team. Um, NHL 20 rebuild. He's my number one centerman alongside Brady Kachuk. I can just, I'm excited for those two to ride shotgun. And that's another reason I want Brady Kachuk to uh, be the captain. He's kind of the identity. Colin White and him, they're best friends. And let's not forget, Colin White's already put pen to paper as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. I've, I love seeing Norris in uh, in Belleville. So selfishly, uh, I'd like to see more of him in Belleville. But uh, yeah, him playing with Brady Kachuk is Is a sight to see and just puts a smile on your face, that's for sure. Um, My answer I'm going with Lassie Thompson. Um, You know, this is a guy he's playing overseas, so you don't get to see a lot of him. You really only see what uh, our guy, Sense Prospect, uh, collects the clips and highlights that he puts together. So it'd be great to get more of a complete look. And then with the news that JBD is going back to school, Lassie Thompson's the top right-hand shot defenseman in this system, and Dorian already said he's going to be playing either in Belleville or Ottawa, likely Belleville, like he's not going to stay overseas. So I think it's going to be great to see what he can do, uh, especially, I'm going to guess he's going to be on the top power play unit if he's in Belleville, and I just can't wait for him to uh, unload that bomb that he has from the point. So my answer is last to Thompson, because I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how the right side of this decor shapes up uh, coming coming here in the future.
2: It's super exciting to think that uh, guys like that, you mentioned uh, JBD staying with North, sorry, yeah, with North Dakota. But I mean, there's so many times where Belleville this year we were talking about, oh man, they outscore their problems. They're great. But think about next year. An experienced pro hockey goaltender in Joey Decord with names like Lassie Thompson potentially on the back end in what could be a healthy Belleville Senators lineup with big names on the forefront on the uh, top nine, even top 12 for this Belleville team. Lots of big names up front and then this good core six where it was an absolute carousel of names down there last year. Uh, just PTO after injury after PTO which was which was a bit of a head scratcher of why they were able to tag together such an unbelievable season in Belleville but uh, yeah it's exciting to see names like that where you don't have to force into the NHL again it's a rebuild you're not looking to uh, contend in the next couple of years you don't have to force these guys and Belleville seems like a fun place to be with the talent that's down there right now so yeah exciting times for Belleville on the back end you gotta say with names like Lassie Thompson Lassie
0: Thompson, nice player, for sure. Hope he has a good career. Josh Norris, really excited about him. Boys, if you don't get fired up every time you see Brady Kachuk play hockey, I don't know what to tell you. This guy is the worth the price of admission, just him. First player in NHL history, he was on pace to have 300 shots and 300 hits in a regular season. This guy is the total package, and he's my choice. If, if you have to pay to see a guy wearing a Sens jersey, Got to be Brady Kachuk right now, and I think for the extended future, hopefully, Sens fans are saying for the next two decades uh, would be just awesome to have as a leader. Breaking news, which should not will not be when you are listening to this. So we'll save the rest of those questions for our next episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. But for now, you touched on it a little bit, Jonathan Jacob Bernard Docker. We, <laughs> we messed up his name every single time. JBD. Yeah, you know me. He is going back to North Dakota, which everyone, I think, in, on this podcast understands is because they have unfinished business. They were the favorite. But just coming down today, we knew he was in the transfer portal. Johnny Ticonic has decided he will be playing hockey at the University of Omaha, which was a little bit of a surprise. He just announced that coming out in the Grand Forks. What? They've got the scoop for everything he spoke to 12 teams and decided it based on gut he says the biggest thing i've been saying is that it's more of a heart and gut decision i feel really comfortable with their coaching staff i feel like they're knowledgeable in hockey and that will really benefit me so omaha university is where johnny Ticonic will be playing next year there's Um, Brad Sloshman writes here that there was a, there's a big role available because two of their defensemen, they lost to graduation. So it's going to be interesting to track that, but he won't be chasing that redemption at North Dakota. If you guys have any thoughts or we can move on to a, a final topic we've got here.
2: Yeah, I'll hop in there. Scott Wheeler tweeting that uh, for what it's worth, I mean the skating is there. He's got uh, he's got good talent. He's got good talent level and confidence. We all saw him in those uh, post draft interviews. It's uh, he's definitely an outgoing guy and outgoing player, apparently, in his own words. But uh, he just I think it the big thing for him is getting the playing time to allow him to uh, play at five on five, use his skating ability, learn how to play against guys that have his talent level at the five-on-five game. And yeah, Ross, you mentioned there as well that he's going to have a big-time, well, a chance to have a big-time role there. Mavericks losing two of their seniors. They were both draft picks too. Ryan Jones and Dean Stewart both graduated. And the UND staff, we mentioned it on a show before when he decided to leave, they are still working very hard to make sure he's eligible for next year, which would allow him to play two more years of NCAA hockey. So he could be playing two more for the Mavericks in Omaha, but that just that's that's a little bit of a head-scratcher, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely not what people would expect, and I don't think people expected this poll to come out on our twil- Twitter. I'll tell you about it in one second because it's likely that this will set the Senators on the path to unparalleled success. What does unparalleled success mean? Well, it means at least one Stanley Cup, and on this day in Ottawa Senators' history, 1927... On April 13th, the Ottawa Senators defeat the Boston Bruins to win the Stanley Cup. It's the club's last championship. So we retweeted that. Mike Camito, always a good follow, by the way. He's got uh, tons of kind of on-this-day stuff. But to win a Stanley Cup, you need great players. So we put out on Twitter, at Central which pending UFA is more likely to sign with the Ottawa Senators. We got the internet mad, but if you look at the results after 384 votes... 51 percent vote for taylor hall 49 percent lean alex petrangelo neither is not an option parley which one is it going to be
2: i think you go out if you're going to spend the money you do i mean go out and get the alex petrangelo lock up your right side d man put him beside your other longest contract uh if i got to pick one of the two uh alex petrangelo is it you mentioned it on Twitter to a reply to, like you mentioned, an angry replier uh, that, you know, he's from the area. He's uh, he's an Ontario-born guy, and uh, he just had three kids, so why not move him home? See grandma and grandpa every once in a while. Why not?
0: Triplets, by the way. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. if they're all the same age, I mean, that's a lot to handle. Wouldn't you want to be closer to home? And let's be honest, the Leafs don't have the cap, but the Ottawa Senators sure do. What about you, Pilsey?
1: Well, I mean, I was one of those people that was big mad about uh, this poll, <laughs> but uh, to play along, I guess if I'm picking, I'm going Taylor Hall, give him one year, $15 million, <laughs> trade him at the deadline, and then, you know what, if the years of unparalleled success don't happen right away, you've got a guaranteed first overall pick coming your way with the Taylor Hall fairy dust, so that's going to be my answer.
0: Well, he's also a Kingston, Ontario native. His girlfriend's from there, too. And fun fact, his dad played wide receiver for the Ottawa Rough Riders in the mid-80s. I mean, if that doesn't put you at ease that he's going to sign, then maybe Terry McGurin, a stand-up comedian who follows us at Send Central, said, hello, I am also in your dream and have ridden in on this unicorn made of ice cream to inform you that Ottawa has just picked up Evgeny Malkin on waivers. So to that, we say it's a fine replacement for Artem Anisimov, I guess. You know, rush in, rush out. So oh, Anisimov's staying. <laughs> no, not if we have Malkin. I mean, you gotta make, you got to
1: make tough decisions. What are you talking about? He's got another year on his deal, then
0: Abramov's coming up. Look out. And oh, then he got Zub so- in the mix, yeah. too. It'll be a Russian machine over here. Oh, my God. This episode's going on longer than Artem Zub signing because... It's never-ending process. Maybe by next episode. Hey, Dorian's just
1: uh, up against that mystery team. That mystery team's <laughs> really making things tough. So he's, he's
0: working it. It's unbelievable. We'll leave you with that for the Locked On Senators podcast. A lot to get through the rest of the week. We're going to have some fun for Chris Parliament and Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. Have a great rest of your day.